Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, Matt Donald here at the top of the episode, just to let you know once again that I now have a Patreon. Yay! Celebration! At patreon.com slash matthewdonald. There you can find... Bonus episodes and content for both this show, Paleobites, and my other show, The Ritwit, where two twits talk about writing, slash writing is what it actually is about. For the Paleobites stuff, one of the things we do is we talk about different pop culture featuring prehistoric animals. And this month, we're talking about The Lost World, Jurassic Park, the second installment of the Jurassic Park film series. That's uh, good stuff. A lot of lot of cool dinosaur action, a lot of fun for the whole family, compies munching on people. We talk about all of it. So link is in the description for those who want to check it out. Thank you all for your support and have a wonderful day. Keep on chomping, Paleobite people. <laughs> Roar Growl Snarl Bellow. Welcome to Paleobites, a podcast where a feature of the creatures, from Ardonix to Zool. And yes, Zool's a real dinosaur species, not just a Ghostbusters villain. <laughs> That's actually the, the dinosaurs in alphabetical order from the first one to the last one. A-A-R-D-O-N-Y-X and then Z-U-U-L. Someone oh, quick discover the, some of these scientists. Quick, someone quick discover a Zygotosaurus or something. <laughs> My name is Matthew Dahl, and each week I and a rotating series of guest co-hosts talk about and rate a genus of prehistoric animal, be it dinosaur, mammal, arthropod, and so on. This week I'm joined by someone who I thought would be really good for this particular episode because we both like snacks. <laughs> we love snacks. They're so cute. And, snacks and are awesome. awesome. And really awesome. Natasha Crack, hello. Hello. How are you? You know, today is a good day. It is a good day. You just went on a hike. Uh, I sat yes. on my ass on my computer as usual. <laughs> it's been a great day. It's winter, so it's not snack season yet. <laughs> it's not quite snack season. Snacks are still hiding in their little yeah, burrows. still hibernating. Oh, snuggling up. Yeah. Some people have, what's the term? I, th- I, th- I Google actually broke down what the term is. It's like, ophidiophobia. Ophidiophobia. In other words, the fear of snakes. Yeah, I don't have that. I think they're cool. I mean, obviously, if there's like a rattlesnake, I'm nervous. But that's just... Well, that's yeah. not because of the snake itself. It's because of what... What it, it can do to you. Yeah, exactly. Like, Or like, obviously, anacondas are a bit freaky. <laughs> oh, they, they are, but they're absolutely beautiful. I saw one up close at Repticon a few years ago. Cool. I Actually, I think I pet one at Reptile Gardens in South Dakota. I went nice. there with my family. So, um, Yeah, but for today, we're talking about the biggest of snacks. 
<laughs> the biggest of all of the snakes. The the king snake. <laughs> but not the king snake. There's just a real king snake. Yes, but... the whole genus of them. Yeah, exactly. But no, not this. But before we get to that, um, hmm. Okay, I guess we could make this whole thing about snacks. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, question, I guess. Uh, if you could put a snake into any prehistoric time period, like anyone at all, regardless of logic of when it evolved, <laughs> when and why? Or in what environment, yeah. Oh, oh, when do you, when would a snake cause the most havoc? I was going to say like the Cambrian period. Yeah, Cambrian, <laughs> oh my gosh. Or just a sea snake just slithering around eating all the trilobites and all. Although those sea scorpions, depending on the species, might give them a run for their money. I think Cambrian was pre-sea scorpion. Uh, so that was like, they would have to worry about Anomalocaris, that one we did an episode on before. Yes, the Anomalocaris. Yeah, but. Other Strange than, creature. But other than that. Could feed in the early fish. Most sea snakes, though, can hold their own against a lot. Yeah. You know what I think would be really funny? It's like uh, uh, in the Ice Age, you have a woolly snake. I know it makes no sense. I know it makes no <laughs> it makes sense. No sense, but no hey, sense. Why not? But, like, it's just like a big furry snake thing. <laughs> just attacking. Be the product of everybody's nightmares. Attacking woolly mammoths. Maybe not that big. Maybe, like, Megaloceros, the deer. We also did an episode on that one. <laughs> yeah, or just even Reiki Havoc in the camp of early humans. <laughs> just this, the woolly snake. <laughs> yes. Stealing things from their campsite. <laughs> yep, exactly. And then slithering away in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. I don't know. Did you have any other ones other than those two? Those, I, I... Uh, no, I think dropping a snake of some kind into the early Ice Age. <laughs> Ice Age North America, some sort of large snake. Yeah. Would be inherently large... hilarious. <laughs> that would be. I imagine if it did, if it wasn't woolly, which of course it wouldn't be. No. It's white. Let's make it so it blends in with the snow. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> And for kicks and giggles, let's make it venomous, too. Mm. Giant anaconda-sized venomous Ice Age snake. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of snakes, <laughs> this whole snake-themed episode, we, you know, we're a couple of budding herpetologists. Not really, but well, I <laughs> think we are. Uh, we're talking about the biggest snake, Titanoboa! Really quite awesome animals. It is. It's so huge. It's kind of an uncreative name, but it does sound cool. It evokes, like, big it, image. You know? It invokes. The image. So. Yes. Uh, the snake that ate crocodiles for breakfast. Oh, yes. Uh, Titanic boa was its name. What it means, obviously. Uh, it is a uh, type of animal. Uh, guess what? A snake! <laughs> it's a snack. It's a cute little snacky snack. Uh, size 40 to 45 feet. Size 12.5 to 13.5 meters long. So about the size of a city bus, folks. Yep. And the weight of a car, pretty much 250, 2,500 pounds. So I saw 1,135 kilograms. So. A very impressive snake. Yes. Especially by today's standards. Indeed. Diets, like all snakes, it's a carnivore. Uh, herbivore snake just sounds weird to me, which is why it's, that, it doesn't exist. so weird. It doesn't exist. That's why it doesn't exist. Uh, time, mid to late Paleocene. This is like right after the extinction of the dinosaurs. So 60 to 58 million years ago. I mean, if anything could evolve quickly to fill an ecological niche, yeah, it's, exactly. it's going to be a snake. Right, exactly. Location, Columbia is where we found the fossils. It was described in 2009. Pop culture appearances. In uh, March 2012, a full-scale model replica was on display in Grand Central Terminal in New York. Uh, where as if the New Yorkers don't have enough nightmares about right, things in the sewers. Yeah, exactly. Where it <laughs> probably terrified commuters and made them jump into the Hudson, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they'd be safe in the Hudson. Yeah, it's true. It's true. The snake would just slither in the. 
Oh yeah, you were saying about the niches though. Like just after the death of the dinosaurs, the world went through a bit of a weird period. This is a lot. Of, a lot of times this happens right after a mass extinction. I called, but this one, the Paleocene, the climate was still similar to that of dinosaur times, with no permanent ice caps, and average global temperature of seventy-five to seventy-seven degrees Fahrenheit. So it's really quite warm. Yeah, the, like today, the average temperature is fifty-seven degrees Fahrenheit. So this is, uh, by the way, that's twenty-four, twenty-five degrees Celsius to fourteen degrees Celsius. Um, not that I'm encouraging global warming or anything, but ecosystems. I mean, are... that would bring back the rise of the giant snakes. It would, like, but and ecosystems are a delicate balance, you know. So Very. even though it was twenty degrees warmer than on average, which is way more than we expect from even the worst of global warming, it's still such a delicate balance. So we should still try and protect, keep it oh, from that absolutely. happening again. Absolutely. Like even out here in Colorado, where our environments are pretty gosh darn hardy to our wacky climate as is. Right. Any dramatic increase would actually throw things into absolute havoc. Right, exactly. And also with no ice with no ice caps that means all Tornado Alley would be underwater. <laughs> Basically and a good chunk of California. Uh, I'm about to say not a huge loss, but I like California, so it's Tornado Alley I don't really care about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I talked to someone on the P-Guys on this afternoon from Kansas, and yeah, they didn't even have some nice things to say about Kansas. Yeah. I, I, went I suppose to, each landscape to It their is. Own. I went to uh, college from a freshman year when Hastings, Nebraska, so I guess that was all right. Um, Another Plains state. Yep. The uh, highest natural point are the corn stalks. <laughs> 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 so, um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, in the Paleocene, mammals hadn't quite reached their level of dominance that they share today, which would, they would start to in the next epoch, the Eocene. Uh, but therefore, as it, is usually, as it usually is after a big mass extinction, the world had no dominant group, making it total anarchy in the animal world. And that's the only reason why I can think of why such a huge snakes like the Tanaboa would ever evolve. Well then, they did spend their time in rainforests, where snakes actually do fantastic even to this day. Right, exactly. They they are uh, so big in there. They're, that's where anacondas live, and that's where this thing lives. Yes. So, uh, you know, scientists had an argument over whether this thing fit more into the boa family mm -hmm. or the anaconda family, which they are distinct families. They are. And to your average onlooker, we might not be able to tell the difference, but you get down they're to both it, they giant are very... Well, yeah, like, they're both giant constrictor snakes, but still, like, there's still differences, like... Yeah, there are still very much differences. Tadam boas, you know, pythons, uh, you know, um, anacondas, they're all different, even though they're all constrictors. Yes. Even garter snakes are constrictors. I thought they were just... I thought they were neither. I know they weren't venomous, but I thought they they're were just... Not, they're not venomous. I've I knew been that, nipped by a few of them. Yeah, I know they're not venomous, but I thought they weren't even constrictors either. I thought they just... You know, they've got the ability to constrict. Okay. Um, every time I've caught one in the wild, even if it's my own backyard, they try to constrict my thumb. Oh. oh yeah, no, I remember my, one of my friends had some pet garters, and I got to play with them, and they kind of went around my fingers. It was cool. Yeah, and then they do squeeze. Yep, yeah, they do. They cool. do. They, don't, they might not use that to try and eat us, but you know. Right, no, no, no exactly. I think they're like trying to hug us, you know. Like saying, <laughs> I love you, master. <laughs> I like my Although like, there are several non-venomous snakes that will try to bite you because they hate you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and like, I wild. have dealt with a few of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, gopher snakes a few times. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, exactly. And here in, here we do get rattlesnakes. Yes, we get at least three different species out here. Yeah. We do get the Western Diamondback, which is the most distinct. Right. And has the nastiest venom. Right, exactly. Uh, and... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, like Rattlesnake. Like, I, I forgot if I said this before we started recording or after. So I'm going to say it again. Uh, I'm not really an ophidiophobe, ophidiophobe, which fear snakes, but... I'm still afraid of that thing, yeah. I mean, I you can inflict very, very nasty long-term damage. I can't blame you on that. Right. Thankfully, we got um, a lot of places that can get like good treatment like right away. Yes. Like, like we're really heck. Go- even in Australia, where they've got more venomous snakes than we can yeah. throw a stick oh, at, man. Uh, they've got incredible abilities to respond to some of the nastiest venoms. Exactly. Well, like box jellyfish. Are the most venomous creatures on the planet, and they're in Australia in the yeah. Australian waters. And if you don't get treatment, you will die in 180 seconds if yeah. you get stung in one of those flat. things. Yep. So and with quite the nasty cocktail too. Oh man. Because I, for a short time, I thought I was going to be a venom biologist. Oh really? School. That'd be cool. Yeah, high school weird stint. Interesting. <laughs> um, became quite interested in venomous creatures. I mean, they're still pretty interesting. But well, they, they most certainly are. And yeah. having the knowledge of them arms you with the defense. It won't stop you from getting hurt, but it drops your chances a little bit. Okay, so question. What's the difference between venom and poison? All in the delivery method. So they're they're on their own. They're the same substance? They're, they're, okay, just, so I've got a great example for you. Like? Pufferfish and blue-ringed octopus. They contain the same chemical compound, tetrodotoxin. Okay. However, one is venomous, one is poisonous. The venomous one is the blue-ringed octopus because it delivers... Yeah, it does point. a little bite, right? It bites you. Yeah. The pufferfish, the only way to get the tetrodotoxin is, is to by eat it, right? eating it. Yeah. In the case of Japan, occasion, the you have Fuji? to... Fugu. Fugu, yeah. Yes, but you have to have a strict license, but people still die from it. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't care how delicious it is. If there's even a chance that you die from it, no! Like... <laughs> But yes, they're the same chemical compound. It's all in the delivery. Really? So so the poison in pufferfish is never used defensively? No, no. But if uh, an animal eats it, they could die. Okay. So if you well, eat it and you die, it's poisonous. Well, if it bites you and you die, it's not really it's a defense mechanism because you still get eaten. <laughs> but still. like Yeah. Uh, okay, good to know. No, but sometimes there's coloration for that called aposomatic coloring. Okay. So coral snakes... Right. Uh, poison dart frogs. Right. Certain species of butterflies. Now, poison dart frogs, they're, they they're coated in poison, right? Yes. So that's not really eating it, but no, you still but don't want to touch it. Because... You definitely don't want to touch it, because it can be absorbed through the skin. That's true. So and I guess in a way it's habit. kind of, yeah. It's still poisonous. Yeah, so. That it's right. still poisonous. Yeah. Poison is absorbed through the skin or ingested. Venom is injected. Right, that makes but sense. But they can still 
chemically be the exact same thing. Okay. It's the delivery method. Good to know. All right. Well, I don't. So I just snakes, I just didn't get to talk about, but yeah, but yeah, you know, Stambo so, was so presumably the, not venomous. Most likely not. A constrictor <laughs> doesn't need venom. Yeah. But, um. Here's an interesting fact. In Japan, there is a species of snake that is both poisonous and venomous. Really? Yeah. It's, so like, it, it still bites, but if you eat it, it still would. It's kill. it still has a mild. It's got a mild venom and a mild poison yeah. on the outside. Well, you're trying to impress. Like, yeah. why, why do you do that? Let's. Uh, that's they're actually overkill. relatively small species. They're only about the size of a garter snake. I guess that's probably why they do it then. Um, I don't remember defensive. the name of the species, but I do remember seeing them on Brave Wilderness, and mm. they caught one for the camera. Right. Now, as long as they washed their hands, they were fine. Right. Because I mean, the poison wasn't that potent. Right. But in Japan has some interesting creatures. The, the Japanese giant salamander. Oh, those are incredible. The biggest amphibians of the modern day. About as yes. big as some of the ancient tenospondyls of the Permian period. So yes. Some of those were even bigger than this. But still, the fact well, that there's yes. one of these alive today is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And they're also critically endangered, but they're ferociously protected by the Japanese government. Well, that's so, good. cheers to them for that. Indeed. But uh, Tatanaboa, though, like, see, look, I'm no ophidiophobe, but even I would be flipping out, flipping terrified of a snake this big. <laughs> I've seen life-size sculptures of this thing, like, I've seen pictures of the one in Grand Central Station, and seriously, it looks like it could swallow your car. <laughs> probably could swallow a small car. <laughs> like a smart car is probably... <laughs> yeah, smart car, those new Teslas. <laughs> yeah. Why'd this thing get so big? Like, you, you'd think this snake was... Like the apex predator of its Colombian jumble hole. <laughs> but studies of its head betray distinctive features compared to other snakes. Uh, this is quotes, uh, paraphr- This is quote from Wikipedia. Uh, it has a high number of palatal and marginal teeth, low angled quadrate orientation, and reduced palatine pterygoid and teri. What any of this means, I have no idea. But it does point out, apparently, that this thing was more of a fish eater. Ah. Okay. Make so it, it was a swimmer. Yeah, it was a swimmer, but it makes it unique among New World serpents. Just don't go swimming in rivers of Paleocene Columbia and you'll be totally <laughs> fine. So you think. Yeah, it's true. There's probably a host of diseases and other prehistoric creatures that could ruin your day. Let's be honest. <laughs> Before the current epoch, most of the wildlife was utterly terrified. Oh, yeah. So if aliens have visited, they're probably utterly horrified of this planet. Well, that's why I, I've always said, I guess we could need we need to purify satellites or whatever when we get some <laughs> in there. But I've always been nervous about, like, studying Europa or whatever, like those uh, moons of yes. Jupiter or Saturn. That have the, they think they have the oceans underneath. Well, they do have the oceans underneath. They, they think do. there might be life underneath. And I'm Europa like, and Enceladus. Enceladus is the other one. Yeah, that's the Saturn so, moon. Yes, Saturn. Um, but I'm always like, well, how could we know? And if we do know, we'd have to drill down there and get it. But if we do, uh-huh. we can bring down a host of Earth diseases and wipe out the European population. Well, that's why they didn't send Cassini too close. Right. So I, I guess you could I guess you could really sterilize it before you send it off. Even but... then, though, there's no guarantee because some Earth bacteria and viruses and microorganisms are insanely resilient to yeah, so all I, our best efforts. I just like to think that maybe we should just never study it, and therefore we'll never know if it's actually there or not. We can always well, assume I, it I is. Imagine imaging will get better. I guess that's true. Make an X-ray vision go through straight to the ice. Imaging will get better, and that's probably the safest way is mm-hmm. through imaging. Yep, but... We can learn a lot even about our own planet through satellite imagery. Absolutely. Uh, but, so yeah, basically, just with all that stuff, though, all the crazy stuff that was back then, just don't go back in time. <laughs> like, I know that's hard to do, not go back in time, but trust me, just 
Don't do it. Well, for your sake. Well, how many movies are there, and shows are there where something goes wrong when someone travels back in time? Exactly. Even avoiding paradoxes, though, that just don't for your own safety. Steve Irwin would probably have a blast, though, with this thing. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Steve Irwin in a Titanobo. By the end of it, Steve Irwin would be riding the Titanobo. <laughs> He'd be riding it, and the Titanobo would, would be happily letting him. Basically, yeah. Who knows? You know, if you, depending on what you, afterlife you believe in, maybe he's doing that now, because, you know, they're both dead. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, that's one of those nice things to imagine. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that death would be hard, Steve Irwin. Uh, the world suffered a great loss that yeah, day. He just, gave so much. I, was, I'm glad that he was killed by uh, something that was like a freak accident rather than just like, if he was accidentally ex- killed by one of his crocodiles or something, people would be like, oh no, the, he was wrong. He shouldn't have gotten that close. But the fact this was a complete freak accident yeah. from something else was like... I mean, the poor Stingray was utterly horrified. Right, like... And it used its tail more as a knife. Right, it, exactly. It and it just venom. happened to hit his heart. Yeah. Like, it was very it wasn't precise. Yeah, exactly. This precise attack that was, like, very freak accident. Yeah. So, of course, I don't think he ever would have been attacked by his crocodiles. No. I think he knew them too well. He was incredibly um, good at reading his beha- their behaviors. Right, so. I just think, I just, I'm saying, that, like, if he was to die by some wild animal, it wasn't, like, something that would be, like, oh, that just, people would be, like, oh, he was too reckless or whatever. No, like, people. No, it was a tragic freak accident. Exactly, so. But he was doing what he loved in the end. He did, he, he, he was. He loved all that wildlife. He and did. And you really couldn't ask for more. I actually share a birthday with Terry Irwin. <laughs> we're both born July 20th. Nice. <laughs> so, it's kind of funny. Uh, anyway, so we're getting to everyone's favorite part of the show where we rate the animal one out of 65 million. Uh, this animal's pretty cool. I'm going to give it like 64, 63 million. I don't know what it loses points for. It's just because it's terrifying. But <laughs> it's still pretty cool. I mean, maybe it loses points to the fact that it wasn't, a, even though it was just out of the dinosaurs, it didn't actually meet any dinosaurs. And I just think it'd be really cool. Imagine a big constrictor constricting like a ductile dinosaur. Oh, that would be actually pretty darn cool. But alas. Nah. Eh, timelines being weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're going to rate it. I'm going to rate this thing at 64 million. They are incredible animals. They would have been an incredible species to see alive. Yeah. Utterly horrifying. I prefer to see it alive via helicopter, like looking down. Yeah. <laughs> like, and even then, like, I know you'd have to be pretty close, but they're like, I don't know, I've seen the B movies where, like, the <laughs> snake just, like, reaches way up and grabs someone right out of the helicopter. Or, like, yeah, well, that was a bad pilot then. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, or, like, Mega shark versus giant octopus, where the shark <laughs> leaps thirty thousand feet and attacks a big plane that's in flight. Ah, oh, you gotta love B movies, right? <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, all right, well that's it for this week. If you want to get a hold of the show, you can contact us at matchd at methadoncreator You can find me on social media at methadoncreator on Facebook, at methadon sixty four on Twitter, and methadon sixty four on Instagram. You can contact me through that. You can contact Natasha, any of our co-hosts. You can ask us all the questions you want. I mean. You probably keep the personal ones to yourselves, but <laughs> but you know if you want to know more about um, certain trails that Natasha has done, or so, excuse me, um, uh, either maybe recommend some places for us to go to study some snakes or some cute snake pictures. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, just a quick Google search for the quick uh, for the cute snake. I guess that's true, but maybe there's like a collective of pictures that I don't know about. It's like the uh, cutest snake pictures. <laughs> um. Uh, if you want to, if you're interested in writing, I have a podcast called The Rit Wits, where two twits, me and Matt David, talk about writing. Uh, we have some fun there. Uh, we we like to do these skits at the beginning, and I have fun writing them. Uh, I don't know if he likes doing them, but I make him do it. <laughs> no, he likes doing the show as a whole, but uh, he really does. Uh, he does not 
want to do this though for some reason. Boom! Nah, that's fine. Uh, finally, uh, I have a book series on Amazon called Megazoic, uh, available for print and Kindle. Dinosaurs with laser guns, no Titanoboa, because that was after this, but, you know, still pretty cool. Uh, but, yep, that's it for this week, and as I say at the end of every episode, I guess... That was really careful. <laughs> uh, I have more spit in mine, but there you go. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.